0: The countdown is on to fight time this is big fight weekend now here is your host tj Weeves. oh yes
1: we are back in it is november the calendar has flipped over and we are ready to go with more championship boxing previews we got to go all the way to the middle east to abu dhabi for a world light heavyweight showdown dimitri bivol and Gilberto Zerto Ramirez to do action Saturday afternoon U.S. time, Saturday night prime time in the Middle East. We're ready to talk about that. We've got a PBC Showtime card in Minnesota of all places. Of course, if it's Cuban David Morrell, it's gotta be Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're gonna talk more about that in a little bit. We've got uh, plenty to get to here on the program. Thank you for finding us. I'm merely the somewhat capable host. He's the guy that you're mainly here to hear. And that is Dan Rayfield, our insider from Fight Freaks Unite, his Substack, from the Big Fight Weekend website as a content partner. Good to be back with you. A lot to cover here, including a championship fight that was midweek that we haven't talked about yet because it happened on Tuesday night in Japan. We got news. We got Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford in action online in what may be the only action they have, at least for a while, uh, going back and forth with the barbs. We're ready to sort through all of it. How are you
0: feeling? Good to be back with you. Yeah, good to be back. Happy to be here and uh, ready to go. We got, uh, like you said, uh, we, are, we, are we scoring the Terrence Crawford? Errol Spence, uh, we'll get
1: to this. We'll get to this coming up, uh, but th- I mean, I could not keep up and I'm pretty good at the social media, but after a while, I couldn't keep up with all the back and forth. I'll let you lay it out. We'll get into it. There was one fascinating reveal from Errol Spence that I have to believe somebody from Al Heyman or his office got to him and went, what are you doing? And we'll explain, there's a tease. We'll explain what that was in the tweet that he had. Uh, uh, coming up. So, stand by. Uh, that is coming in a moment. Uh, reminder, however you found us, social media link, Dan Substack, his newsletter, Fight Freaks Unite, if you found us that way. If you found us through the Big Fight Weekend website, thank you for doing so. Thousands and thousands. The October numbers are in. We grew by about 25% again. Thousands and thousands of more of you found us in October. Thank you. Continue to find us. Continue to follow and subscribe. And the reason you want to do that is you get automatic notification that there's a new preview out usually on Friday morning. There's a recap podcast off of every weekend. We've done very well with the bookends preview on Friday recap, usually out by Monday morning. Again, you need no other prompting. If you're following or subscribing, that is because Dan Rayfield, you're going to get what, if you're following or subscribing,
0: I'm, I'm told you get a banner, you get a ding, you get a bell, you get a light, you get a vibration, <laughs> something. Am I missing one? No, I think you got them all. Just Something. for the record, I mean, I do the podcast, but I still subscribe, so yes. I get—I actually get the banner, like Correct. the little thing that like, pops up on my phone. I get a banner. I also get a blinking red
1: light on my phone that says. Yeah, it's I don't out. get a light. I don't I'm get a the light. guy that puts the podcast up, and yet yeah. I still get a notification because I'm following and subscribing that the podcast is up. So what I'm saying is, I—I'm the guy that that helps you get the light, the ding, the vibration, or the banner, and even well, I, I get it? it. Do I have to go on uh, Apple and can I leave myself a five-star review? You could if you wanted to, but it does look a little suspicious when D Raphael uh, 70 leaves at least of sudden review. If you know, if you notice, I'm just going to out us right now. If you notice one of my twins wanted to review us, she said, "Will it make you happy if I leave you a five-star review. I said, yes. So if you go and scroll down for the audience, when you go find Riley 08, that's one of my twins who had to do it. She's one of the many. That's okay. So if we see like a Rayfield 1970, then you know what's going on there on this. But I no, will I confess, I've not rated and reviewed this. So, yeah. So my, my
0: son couldn't care less. He's you right. know he's too busy with fourth grade. Oh, the twins and-
1: don't listen. She was just saying like sitting on the couch in like an idle moment of about 56 seconds <laughs> when she's not doing something else on her phone and said, "Do you want me to rate and review your podcast?" And she went right to it and did it. So that's all I'm saying. And we want the peeps to do the same thing. If you like us, if you enjoy us, if you want to tell Rayfield how smart he is, tell me what a smart, you know what I am, whatever the case is, send in a rating and a review, a five-star review. We will take it. More of you have been doing that. More of you have been finding us. We enjoy that. All right, enough of the kissing up, enough of the groveling for you folks to rate us and review us. Let's get into it. We had an action-packed Uh, Keep me straight here So minimum weight is what Because this was considered junior flyweight Unification world title So that's what 108 pounds The minimum weight is 105 right I call it straw weight Some people
0: call it minimum weight Okay. Um, But yes there's 105 pounds That's the smallest weight class This fight that we're going to talk about Was in the 108 pound weight class uh, Junior flyweight division Uh, They don't call it super minimum weight (laughs) Uh, In any event (laughs) But this was a high-class fight. We're going to talk about the unification between Kinshiro Taraji and Hiroto Kayaguchi. First of all, unification fights at 108 pounds are rare to begin with. Unification fights between two Japanese fighters are also very rare. This covered both of those scenarios. This was two Japanese champions, highly regarded, both putting their titles on the line. Argu- you know, not arguably, I mean, basically by every person that you would think that might know these things or any independent ratings, everyone to look at. This was number one versus number two. Most had Kayaguchi number one in the division. He had the ring championship and he's been uh, undefeated. And Taraji number two, he's got the one loss, but he regained the title in an immediate rematch by a knockout. There were some issues related to when he lost for the first time going back uh, at the uh, fall of last year he had had that fight postponed because he had COVID. There's a lot of people that think that he just wasn't right when they came back and did that fight with uh, Yabuki when he lost the title because he was still suffering from the effects of of COVID. Nonetheless, he regained the title and this was his first defense since. And uh, it was a terrific fight. It was a great one-sided one-sided. I I will say,
1: I will say this, Taraji was dominating. Uh, They were fighting in that Saitama sports arena, which is about 30 kilometers North of Tokyo Uh, which is a place where they've held a lot of championship fights, including the monster in a way who has fought there. The place was packed and they were roaring in the fifth round when Taraji dropped Kayaguchi uh, with a hard right hand. And then Kayaguchi got off the mat and had Taraji in trouble and they were, and it was electric in that building, Dan, pick
0: it up. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that was the one moment that Kayaguchi had that made it somewhat dramatic. You know, you mentioned that arena it's, it's an arena. It's, it's kind of newish relatively speaking but you mentioned that's where they had the don't air uh fights they also triple g fought murata there um that is where floyd mayweather had an exhibition there uh you know it has become a you know if you're not in you know the main arenas in actual tokyo this is on the outskirts but they've had a lot of big fights there over the last few years and uh, this was the latest one and uh you know kai gucci has been in some terrific fights. I mean, he's worth watching no matter what. I don't care if win or lose, uh, you know, I'm watching him. I don't care if he's 108 or 208. He's always exciting. And Taraji is also a guy that's been in some terrific fights. Uh, and so I actually had written and said when they made this match that I just felt like there was no possible way that it wouldn't be anything less than entertaining. And again, because, uh, even though, even though Taraji won pretty handily, uh, it was highly entertaining and, you know, they both, uh, uh you know, put it all on the line, but Taraji is, uh, You know, they call him the amazing boy. That's his nickname. He's now 20 and one. He's a unified champion. He's got the ring title. Uh, I'm not sure how much longer he'll stay at 108 pounds, uh, but he'll probably stay there for at least another fight. And the reason is because after defeating Kayaguchi, to unify the WBC and take away the WBA title from Kayaguchi. In the co-feature on that show, you had the WBO uh, champion in that same weight class, uh, Jonathan Gonzalez from uh, Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. He had a defense against a Japanese fighter, Iwata, And he won a unanimous decision. And the whole point of them putting that on that card was in uh, the plans of whoever were to be the winner of the main event would at some point, I don't know if it's the next fight, hopefully it's next fight, maybe it's two fights, but the point is the two guys who won will fight each other to make it a three belt unification. So uh, Taraji had said, said in his post fight comments that he had spoken to Gonzalez earlier in the week or before the fight. And, you know, was basically saying, I hope that, that you, you know that we can find ourselves together in the ring at some point after this this particular card. So it seems like uh, that's the whole point of this. That Taraji took care of business with uh, Kai Jonathan Gonzalez, uh, more of a boxer. He took care of his business uh, with Iwata, and hopefully some sometime in the early part of next year we'll see uh, those two guys get together and uh, and unify the three titles. And what I loved about it was you know i've watched a lot of japanese fights in my day a lot of fights from overseas i used to you know got videotapes years ago of dvds more recently now you just go on like this particular show was top rank was involved they had the american rights it was on espn plus so you know i didn't wake up at 4 30 in the morning to watch the card but when i did wake up about 8 30 as soon as i got up i put on the tv and went to my espn plus app and was able to watch it on a delay basis uh, beautiful picture uh, you know commentary in english from uh, jamel herring and uh, eric rothman who did a good job on the plus uh, uh and they stayed up into the middle of the night to do it and you know as i get older and see technology advance yep it has so benefited my boxing fanhood because there is no more struggle to see these fights not only do you see everything most things from around the world you can see most fights on undercards you know, it's not like the old days, so to speak, not to age myself, where you would just see like the main one or two or three fights. Or if it was a pay-per-view fight, you might get four or five fights. You know, we now talk, you get everything. And
1: let, me inter- let me interject. We talked on the recap podcast that so much of the time in the 80s, especially, that only the main event fight would be on TV or available on video vhs whatever and if you weren't in the arena you didn't see the co-feature or any of the undercard fights they largely weren't televised now it began to evolve you and i haven't really talked about this but we'll share it here it began to evolve where uh remember usa network had tuesday night fights and there would be a slew of like four or five
0: of them on cable and also you know top rank boxing on espn would show undercard fights there you go and then you know with the advent uh and more of their competition starting in like the late, like 86, let's say when Showtime got into the business and HBO had already been around for 10 or 12 years doing boxing. Most of the time at that point, HBO would show two fights on a given show, maybe a special occasion that would be three Showtime, same deal. And it became expected that if you were tuning into the premium networks, you were going to, you know, sometimes I still did one fight on a big night, but you typically were going to see two, occasionally three, Um, maybe one plus if there was a pay-per-view, they'd show the replay that a lot of people maybe didn't see because it was on pay-per-view. But once the premium cable networks got involved, you still saw largely two or three fights, but you didn't see four, five, six, seven fights. But you were
1: also involved in your time at ESPN with the Friday night fight series, where again, Mm -hmm. they would show two or three fights usually every Friday night, every week. And so again, USA Network was doing it every week for the longest time on Tuesdays then Friday Night Fights kind of picked up that mantle and was doing it every Friday night. So you got a bunch of fights on TV, is my point. It kind of became more mainstream. And now with the internet and digital and streaming, there are fights everywhere. I was just thinking this when you were saying this, that the uh, Taraji-Kayaguchi fight was on later in the morning, midday in Europe on DAZN. So if you were a fight fan in the UK or in Europe, you got this kind of like at lunchtime or even after lunchtime because the time zone difference, they were showing it live. So it truly is a... Uh, Just think about it like this, sport. TJ.
0: That that card that they had that we're talking about, which had the two world title fights plus the junior bantamweight debut of Junto Nakatani, who had vacated the flyweight title to move up in weight. He's now going to be the mandatory uh, for a belt in that weight class. Plus you had uh, the the undefeated up-and-coming Japanese uh, lightweight uh, Suchiro Yoshino, who... He defeated by knockout a, a fighter that I think some of the American fans would know is Maya Yoshi Nakatani, who was known largely for his losses to Lomachenko and getting knocked out by, uh, or getting knocked out by Lomachenko, but losing uh, a more competitive decision to Teofimo Lopez. In any event, you just mentioned it. This card was seen around the world. In the United States, it was on ESPN+, Plus, a streaming service. In Europe and in other places around the world, it was on DAZN, a streaming service. In Japan, which is where it was taking place, it was on a streaming service. It was on Amazon Prime, so all these fights were on, but not nowhere in the world. I don't think was it on linear television. They were all Correct. via streaming service, which is, you know, it's been the game changer,
1: no doubt. All right, let's uh, let's move on here on the podcast, and I promise we're getting to previews, uh, including what's going to happen with the WBA lightweight. Uh, light heavyweight title fight which is very intriguing unbeaten Dmitry bivol of russia when last we saw him he was beating oh by the way canelo alvarez he'll now defend his title against the number one contender Zerdo ramirez the mexican uh, californian uh they will be in action saturday afternoon u.s time preview of that upcoming before we get there we won't get it in the ring in 2022 and it may not be anytime soon but at least We got like a small consolation prize, like a little, uh, I don't know, whatever goes in the Happy Meal gift now is what we kind of got out of Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. First thing was, first of all, I don't I
0: don't think that's a prize at all. That was just a lot of
1: (laughs) a lot of nonsense, if you ask me. Okay, so maybe it was a lot of nonsense. Maybe you would have, instead of the prize, welcomed like an ice cream cone like they do at
0: Chick-fil-A. If they had a signed contract, they wanted to go back and forth like that on social media you know i'm down for that okay. but if they're just going to do that nonsense and not to fight of, each other i understand you know?
1: so crawford took to instagram live and did a video and he went on and on on the video about 20 minutes about how the fight didn't happen not his fault and and he revealed something that was interesting which he's saying Again, where's the where's the proof? Where's the receipts? Where's the claim that he had an investor wanting to give him 25 million guaranteed and wanting to give Spence 25 million guaranteed? If it was not, don't laugh everybody a PBC deal like that was ever going to happen and PBC was not going to be involved. <clears throat> okay, so that happens and then these guys take to social media on Wednesday night. First of all, it's Spence taking
0: to social media to refute but, uh, Before you some get of to the, the video. But, so go ahead. Before you get to that Twitter beef, there was much more to to uh to uh Crawford's video besides what you just mentioned about the $25 million supposed offer. He actually said that he had two companies that one that was offering 25 million. Then he said the other one was 20 plus million. And that he actually, when he got that offer called, uh, Errol Sp- and, and people, if they want to read the blow by blow, I do suggest they go on my, my webpage that's on mm-hmm. my Substack, or if they get the newsletter, I wrote that the other, you know, last night or the night before, whatever it was. And, and it's all in there, but, the, but to make a long story short, he called Errol Spence on the phone and said, Hey, we have, I have two places that are, that are, that are going to, that are willing to do this. And Errol asked some questions, you know, what about the back end? And he was like, well, this is, they're taking the risk. So it's high reward, but the guarantee is the guarantee. And you know, a lot of people aren't buying pay-per-views anymore. They're using fire sticks and, and he quotes Spence is laughing saying, yeah, I have a fire stick also point is they would get this as a guarantee. And then as Crawford explained, an 80-20 split, and then getting the 80% on the back end if there was uh, a profit. Now, if a company is spending $50 million on this fight, there probably wasn't going to be profit, but they would be caught in if there was. So that was something that was a revelation. And then he also said that when uh, he asked Errol about his interest, he said, let me get back to you, basically. And he was kind of busting Errol Spence's balls, saying he has a boss. You know, I am now free agent. I am my own boss but he has to go through Al and has to go through his people. And so when he didn't hear back from Errol on that, he said he called Al Heyman directly, who we'd been speaking to all along as they'd been trying to negotiate this fight and, and told him. And he said, Al did, according to Crawford, I'm not giving this fight up to anybody. And Crawford didn't really quite understand it, but you know, that was the answer. They, they were rebuffed on that. Now his point of view was, now, who knows if the money was real, but to Crawford's point of view, it was at least worth worth exploring if someone's gonna give you 25 million, because as he also revealed, and this was something I had been hearing about, so it doesn't come as a surprise to me, is that the terms on the fight were no guarantee that they were gonna work for, you know, as the old saying goes, you 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 eat what you kill. In other words, you're gonna make what we sell. So the only thing they were dickering about wasn't. Give me a million, no, give me 5 million, no, give me 10 million, not a number in terms of how much you're going to pay me, but how much percentage of the event am I going to receive? Because apparently he and Spence were fighting for no guarantee if they were able to conclude the agreement. All right, so let me interject. Spence then confirmed what you just
1: said on social media. I will read the tweet word for word, which I perked up as soon as I saw this. When Spence tweeted, he talking about and and just uh, I'll go in the vernacular that he used. He talking about he didn't have a guarantee and he was taking all the risk. MF, you know what MF stands for, everybody. I didn't have a guarantee, just a higher percentage. Errol Spence is admitting on social media that neither fighter was going to get a guarantee for this fight. And I, like a lot of other people, are going, how is that possible? Well, I'm going to tell you how that's possible. G- give,
0: give, enlighten me, because that's a lot an of amazing people, admission. Go ahead. A lot of people don't quite understand that. There are fights. Now, it's not common. But there are definitely fights where there are no guarantees because they feel like it's going to be a big bonanza. And they know they're going to reap and they're going to make money on it. Now, normally what happens is that there will be some kind of guarantee. Maybe not like, let's say you think that as the fighter or the manager of that fighter, your guy should be getting $10 million. Well, you're not going to get the $10 million guarantee, but the promoter might guarantee you just to make sure you show up and make sure you've got something in your pocket, whatever, maybe they'll guarantee you $3 million and you work for the rest in terms of what the profits are. And if you go back, let's go back to the days. I'm going to give you an example. When Oscar De La Hoya fought Felix Trinidad at the time in 1999, or 1998, when that fight took place. Welterweight unification, both guys were undefeated. Both guys were in their prime. Uh, it was one of the hottest fights going, Mexican-American versus Puerto Rican. I mean, it had to check all the boxes. Great mm-hmm. action fighters. Everybody wanted to see that fight. They were obviously both going to the Hall of Fame someday. And they made that deal. And in the end, it turned out to be, at the time, the biggest selling non-heavyweight pay-per-view of all time. It did 1.4 million buys. It, it matched the total that was done by George Foreman against Evander Holyfield, which was the very first pay-per-view of modern pay-per-view. Uh, now, of course, that 1400000 million pay-per-view record has been broken many times since sure. with other Oscar fights and certainly Floyd Mayweather fights and, and, uh, and Canelo Alvarez fights and whatever. Anyway, here's the point, though. When, when Bob Arum, who was the promoter for Oscar De La Hoya, they were obviously doing a co-promotion with Don King, who was the promoter of Tito Trinidad, it came up, okay, how you know what are, what are we gonna what are we gonna settle on? What what's what is Oscar gonna make? What is the you know what is the split, etc. So Aram, and this is something that caused the fracture between Aram and De La Hoya that led to their parting later on. It was something that they that Oscar always sort of held against Aram. Bob gave Oscar the. Cho- I'm making the short version. He gave Oscar the choice, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I'll just the numbers are made up. You have your choice, Oscar. You can either take a 50, you know, a $12 million guarantee, or you can take an $8 million guarantee and you can get XYZ on the upside. Oscar went for the guaranteed money instead of taking a piece of the action. And the fight was a monster. And, and it ended up that Aaron made more money than Oscar did because he had all the upside and he didn't have to share it with Oscar. And Oscar never forgave him for that because Oscar decided to take the guaranteed money and he didn't take the upside. Now, in the case of a Crawford and Spence fight, I don't think there'd be the kind of upside as there was on a Tito Trinidad uh, Oscar fight. Pay-per-view is different at this present time in the way that people buy it and, you know, so much piracy and all that sort of stuff. However, these guys weren't even going to get the guarantee at all, even the minimal guarantee. So, but Crawford, as he said in his video, and I respect this about Crawford a lot, and people can go watch that video for themselves. It's available on his uh, Instagram page. I believe in myself so much that I'm going to beat this man, that I'm willing to wager on myself that I'm going to win. And, you know, that's how much he wanted to fight, that he was willing to do it for no guarantee because he felt like there would be money that he would get. Obviously, the pay-per-view would sell, maybe not to the level that some people think, but there'd be something for him to put in his pocket. and He'd have the satisfaction of getting the victory over the guy that is the, the one person that people have wanted to see him fight. And for Errol Spence, it would be probably a similar situation. Now, he did not make that kind of video, but I suspect, that his feelings are the same, that he feels like he will be Terrence Crawford. And uh, uh, now the only thing we can do is judge their Twitter beef.
1: Okay. So I'm going to interject a couple of things here too, just from where I said, number one, Again, you know far more. You're plugged in much more than I am. But I have covered this enough, have been around it enough, and Crawford has feuded with his own guy Bob Arum about money and about whatever else. I'm not taking Terrence Crawford completely as gospel. And just remember, on Bob is not. Side, I'm not saying yes. you're not. Right? He's not. I'm not yes. saying you're taking him at gospel. You're just giving him credit for laying out his version, his side. It is cont- contradictory. If I can get it out. Uh, as we tape late on Thursday, it is contradictory to say, well, I don't have a problem with the upside or whatever, but instead I've got somebody else that wants to give us each 25 million dollars. Who in the world is going to give in the current economic times, etc., both of these guys, 25 million guaranteed to me, well, that's fantasy land. I don't may think you have that. I don't, I don't buy that. But so, there are Looney tunes
0: out there that think that they can listen, 25 I've, million I've seen, each. I have seen over the years. There's always somebody that comes in thinking they know how to reinvent the wheel. I understand somebody that's but, got a war chest of whatever, okay. whether it's uh, hedge fund money or it's funny okay. money or whatever it is, so, who's willing to just blow their brains out to make a splash and and get good ringside tickets. What can I tell you? <laughs> okay, so Spence hits back at him, and I believe this
1: part: with you were sent everything with the transparency about the back end, and you would not agree to it. That's what he was tweeting about last night it's not as if it
0: wasn't laid out for you
1: and now so- eventually
0: eventually crawford did receive the transparency that he wanted um and that comes from people that i have talked to personally who are on the crawford team. what did you tell us he had it like in early october he had it in early october right? correct that here's the transparency it's agreed to
1: this now, is i can't we'll- tell you
0: exactly the entire checklist of what he wanted. I mean, nobody sent me a copy of the contract. I mean, if you have it out there right. and you want to send it to me, by all means, <laughs> hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know, I'm happy to take it. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, I, I mean, they they clearly have a disconnect because the PBC side felt that they had, you know, even if it wasn't like their best friends, they felt like they had at least addressed the major issues that Terrence Crawford had had sought. And obviously Crawford has a different viewpoint. Now, the other thing that Terrence Crawford spoke about in the video, um, which seemed to be a real sticking point, um, for some people wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Me personally, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but Crawford, he's entitled to have his opinion. It's after all, it's his career and his life. What really, really got him ticked off was that it took so long for them to reach a deal or the, the framework, if you will, or to get on the same page even loosely that it got to a point where they were not going to be able to do the fight in 2022. This fight was contemplated for November. Crawford said they started speaking about an agreement in May, uh, a few weeks after Errol had knocked out uh, or Dennis Ugas to unify the three of the titles. But he said he didn't get a contract until August. And then he corrected himself. It wasn't even a contract. It was just like basically a deal memo, like an outline. And so they, I don't want to say they wasted, but from May till August seems like a pretty long way before you get a an actual contract with, with terms worked out. So the point is it took so long, they were not able to deliver the fight in the month or in the calendar year of 2022. And that was a big deal for him. So at some point the, the BLK prime people who are the, the the folks who are now bankrolling this December 10th fight that Crawford supposedly will have against Avanessian. Um, they agreed to do his fight December the 10th and that gets him in the ring this year. Remember he has not fought since last uh, end of the year when he had the fight with Sean Porter. So he didn't want to go a year plus to me. It didn't seem like that big of a deal. If you know, you're getting Spence in February uh, Crawford's a professional as far as preparing for fights, it's not like he's going to be out of shape or anything like that. Uh, but that was the kind of a deal breaker. It, it seemed to me. And uh, you know, one thing about it was he didn't say bad things about Heyman. He wasn't, didn't seem upset out but with with he said, look, I like Al. He's a cool guy. You know, I like talking to him, but he also then made the point. I understand. Uh, Errol Spence is his guy, and he's going to do what's best for his guy. I'm not his guy. So he wasn't upset about any of that. So I, I don't get the feeling that he holds hard feelings uh, towards Heyman or to that side. Um, and even with Spence, yes, they're having their back and forth on Twitter. but And they, they're they competitors, and they want to fight each other. But they, they they do kind of like each other, and I know they respect each other. You know, They're proud guys, and they, they want to knock each other's heads off. But I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing where – years later they're not going to like see each other and you know pat each other on the back I mean they they know what each has gone through and then they understand uh, what's what's up so they're just competitors right now
1: we'll move on here in just a second the belief is that Spence will be fighting you've already said on this podcast you put it out there a couple of weeks ago that we're looking at what is it February 4th the Saturday in between the championship games of the NFC well, and the AFC that was the that was the, the Super Bowl day for- Right. That was possible for Spence, but Spence may still fight on that date. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Now the other thing
0: that Crawford also said, and this is going to be dependent maybe somewhat on the sanctioning bodies perhaps, but he said, and this is not a secret because I think anybody that's plugged in even a little bit has heard the same thing that, that the backup, if there was no Crawford fight was he'll fight Keith Thurman. Now the WBA may have something to say about that because they were willing to put aside the mandatory against Danny Onis to allow, The unification with Crawford, I'm not so sure they're going to do it to allow a Thurman fight who's not a champion. So that that's another bridge they'll have to cross. But belts or no belts, so here's the the Thurman. The Thurman fight's the bigger fight, but frankly, in my estimation, the Stannyonus fight might actually be the better
1: fight, and it might be a tougher fight for Errol Spence. And and look, he Thurman's in my area, and I love him. He's one of my guys. But Keith Thurman has fought one time in three and a half years. And I don't, there's no sizzle for that right now. Cause he's been out. And I don't, I'm not saying there's sizzle for Stanny Onis either. Who's not an American, blah, 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 but we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. I still will go back to one thing that Crawford didn't address. And it's not there was in these terms. We don't know. Again, somebody send us the contract in this back and forth was Crawford willing to fight a second fight with PBC in the event of a rematch or more because I was told two different times, including as recently as a month ago, that was a sticking point.
0: Yes. And he did not, he did not address that in his So video. There you go. The um,
1: multi-fight thing, because he wants to kind of be like the one-off with Canelo Alvarez last November. We're going to talk about Caleb plant in a second. He got to fight a one-off PBC fight against Caleb plant and then go do whatever he wanted. And Crawford sees that fighters see that they're smart. They're savvy. He's kind of a free agent right now. I think that was a sticking point too. It wasn't addressed in the back and forth. Let's just hope these guys get in the
0: ring. Because- but, I mean, the, the whole Twitter thing is so stupid because, yeah. you know, have that same energy and get in the ring. Agreed. But apparently yeah, but the thing about Crawford also, by the way, so he's fighting this fight with Avonessi and he claims he's getting eight figures, which for those of you who are not as good at math <laughs> as I am, that means $10 million or more uh, for that fight on December the 10th. Um, let's see if these, these, these folks that have come out of nowhere can actually deliver the money. I mean, you know, I've been around long enough to see uh, a lot of big money figures turn around and promise to a lot of people for a lot of things that have failed to be delivered. And again, I'm not trying to indict the, the BLK Prime people. I don't even know who they are. I actually asked the publicist that sent out the press release, you know, who is the promoter? And I can't yet get a response. And I've done it a couple of times uh, awfully polite and nicely. And right. you know, it doesn't seem like they want to divulge who these people are. So uh, we're going to see... Scale, if more times this is one a more deal, time, this, is, is this, a about real this deal is a real money for crawford against Avanesian you know we will see if he gets his 10 million or if
1: it's uh, all just about, a bunch of nonsense. i was about to tee you up again like i did a couple of, of shows ago on a scale of one to ten that he definitely has this fight december 10th one being no way it happens where is your number right now as we begin november on the crawford
0: fight happening december 10th. i'm going to give it about well maybe it, it happens but Perhaps they'll change terms at some point, but given the way you explain, I'm going to give it about a six that it happens. Okay. Maybe a six and a half. So I think there's a decent chance, but I'm not convinced at all, you know, because I'm like, why is anybody given again, nothing, no disrespect to Crawford. Why are you going to give him $10 million when his biggest purse ever has been 6 million? He's fighting an opponent that is a good opponent, but an opponent that is non-existent. In the mindsets of any American boxing, You're giving fan him basically. ten million,
1: or are you prepared to lose ten million or twelve million or whatever they would have
0: to be prepared? Well, and to ten million is not them. just that's just for yeah. Crawford. They got to right. pay right? It. They got to put on the rest of the event. There's a zillion expenses related to the event, and one thing that those folks are going to be in for a rude awakening, in my mind, is they plan to just do it on their own website. Like my right. understanding is, at least at the moment, it's not like they have carriage elsewhere. Like it's also going to be available on like the zone pay-per-view or on the Fight uh, TV, or it's going to be available on, you know, linear on an in-demand basis or PPV.com or any of these other outlets, either linear or digital. Uh, and so if only it's on this one website, it's probably dead on arrival, man. Again, not, it's not like the worst fight of all time, but they've had, no publicity yet in terms of what they've done other than and correct me review.
1: they're charging like 29.95 or 39.95 what was the initial 39.99 pricing? okay so 40 dollars a pay-per-view we'll do the quick math if they do a hundred thousand buys that's four million dollars right okay
0: and i can just tell you right now i mean that's... i promise you as my hand to the lord upstairs uh-huh, uh-huh. i swear How this is even more impressive I swear on my boxing memorabilia collection, there is, if it's only available on that website, there is zero chance. Do you hear me? Z-E-R-O. Zero chance. Forget about 100,000. That fight on that website won't do 50,000. Zero chance. Mm. Z-E-R-O. Fights that are on major network platforms, Fox pay-per-view, where they put commercials on in NFL games, things like that. Some of those fights that are on a similar level, a wilder um, an Andy Ruiz-Ortiz fight. Again, not bad fights. This is not a bad fight, but it's sort of on that same kind of level. You know, uh, Deontay Wilder may not be a champion, but he's certainly a a well-known and supposedly popular American heavyweight who's been in some, you know, good fights and had some spectacular knockouts and sort of the same thing. Andy Ruiz, you know, uh, a former champion with a nice fan base, uh, particularly among the the Hispanic Americans and fighting, you know, credible opponents, but not big, huge fights. Those fights are on Fox pay-per-view. They got publicity in NFL games seen by tens of millions of people, not to mention other Fox programming, that mainstream boxing media and some sports media covered. And those fights could not get to high numbers. I reported that the Deontay Wilder fight did around 75,000 buys and that the Andy Ruiz fight did 65,000 buys. And you're telling me that a, a fight on, on a schlocky looking BLK prime website that looks like it was created by a, a, a junior high AV uh, after school class. They're uh, going to swing alert. I like it. They're going to do a hundred thousand buys. Okay, once again, let me reiterate. Spell it again. Zero chance. Z-E-R-O with multiple exclamation points. All right. And by the way, let me just say one more thing. I don't wish ill will on these people whatsoever. You just know the
1: business and you've been down this road. That's all this is. is It's
0: not an indictment. of. And I'm just
1: making the financial. I'm not a big uh, – look, I don't have to be a high finance guy. I'm not an investment banker. But if it's $40 a pay-per-view – and you sell 100000 that's $4 million. So if you sell 200000 that's $8 million. We still haven't gotten to the $10 million
0: figure, the eight figures Look, just to pay Terrence Crawford. There are definitely times when people in business will take a loss knowing so. So I'm not saying that they're not doing this on, you know, that they understand that they're, they're going to take a loss because they're trying to do some other type of accomplishment as far as get their name out there. Or they've got some other business interest they're trying to get off the ground. So taking a loss. I get that. That's just business one-on-one, whether it's boxing or otherwise, but to that level. And for no apparent reason, um, you know, I don't even know. And by the way, also because the fight's going to be in the big arena there in Omaha, where I'm sure a good crowd will turn out, but because of the type of community that Omaha is, and I have covered fights in Omaha is that you cannot charge an astronomical amount of money for tickets because the people there are just mostly blue collar and just don't right. you know, other than, uh, uh, you know, I mean, there's there's obviously a, a wealthier group in every community, um, but they, they, you know, when top rank would go do fights here, they purposely kept tickets to a, a more affordable of course, to uh, fill the price arena. point so they can fill the arena. So, yeah, so they, they're not going to do it millions of dollars like if this fight was in Los Angeles or New York or Las, uh, Las Vegas, uh, you know, I can't. I, I so, understand. again, you're not going to have huge amounts of money coming in from from the gate It's probably not going to have a mass amount of sponsors because you're not in a. On a platform where there's going to be, you know, huge amounts of people that are that are going to see you, so you know they've got their work cut out for them.
1: We've lasted almost as long as the Twitter beef between Spence and Crawford going back and forth on. Well, Twitter how do we score the seeing... Twitter beef?
0: Are we going to score the Twitter beef? I read all uh, their back you, and forth.
1: You, I, I read the back and forth. I would probably give the edge to Errol Spence. Uh, not being biased here, I might, uh, I might go. I don't. I think I might go 115, 113 in the uh, twelve round vernacular. Seven. Any five. knockdowns? No, no knockouts. What would you give it? What would you give it in the 12-round uh, vernacular? I'm going to call it must. a draw. I'll call it a draw. You go 114-114, if that's the case. And that may be the only action we see out of these guys, at least for a while. Uh, one more fight, then I promise we're getting the previews that is now, according to the fighters, going to happen. Both David Benavidez and Caleb Plant, former super middleweight champs. Benavidez, the WBC super middleweight champ on a couple of occasions, stripped twice of the title. Uh, Caleb Plant, IBF former champion, lost it to Canelo Alvarez last November a year ago. They say they're fighting each other. Both fighters put on social media Thursday night. We've signed a deal. No announcement of when or on what network. Dan, your thoughts real quick
0: before we move on for the fights that we know we're having. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, it's a good fight, definitely. I mean, it's a fight that should be happening. You know, I mean, I'll I'll give them both credit for it, but I don't want to go overboard because why, why do you give too much credit for things that are supposed to be happening? Like, it's sort of like, why would you give credit for doing somebody for actually doing their job that they're supposed to do? So, yeah, I'm happy they're fighting. It's good. Um, it's certainly a lot better than other fights that have been contemplated. Um, I guess Benavides, I guess, would be defending his WBC interim title that he now has. while he was allowed to win that while Canelo was dealing with people and not sure when he would fight next in the super middleweight division. But these guys have been going back and forth with each other. They are both with PBC. They've had uh, a longstanding kind of war of words over the last you know year plus, I would say. They have contrasting styles. Um, they don't particularly care for each other. It's just a good, solid quality fight. Now, as a, as you mentioned, it's not it's not assigned to a network. It's unknown if it's going to be Showtime related or Fox related. Uh, I'm not even sure what Fox's situation with PBC is going forward at the end of this year because that contract was supposed to be up. I suppose they could continue to do some pay-per-views with them. Um, if it's uh, with Showtime, obviously, they're, they're still doing PBC fights. This is contemplated as a pay-per-view fight. And that's the thing that gives me pause. There's so much pay-per-view out there. We've seen terrible returns on some of these recent fights. Uh, even the Jake Paul fight. Now, that's not a PBC fight. The Jake Paul fight that just occurred with Anderson Silva. I don't have the numbers exactly yet, but I'm told it's definitely going to be less than the Woodley rematch. and That the Jake Paul numbers have been trending down and does not look like it's going to be any kind of bonanza. We should um,
1: interject. He said, "What everybody's got a podcast. He's on with his brother, on the uh jake and logan paul podcast he said he's disappointed out of his own mouth that it's going to be somewhere around 200 000 to 300 pay
0: pay-per-view buys so out of his own well, mouth what i am told that's is what that he
1: floated good. out there
0: yeah well i'm told that jake is uh sniffing glue and it's not close to that <laughs> and that's and that's not good and by that's the way not, and i say that anybody that. Been listening anybody listening to us knows i've been i've said all kinds of nice things about jake paul's uh you know, what he's been doing in boxing, So that's not a knock on him. It's just that the Woodley people- rematch last December. Did it do a couple of hundred thousand in your reporting? I
1: remember uh, I was there, but wasn't it somewhere around there or something like that? Yeah. Or was it even
0: less than that? No, I think it was around there. I just don't remember the number and it's, you know, there's been a lot of numbers okay. since then, but the point is this was not the fight level of buys that I think a lot of people involved thought it would be showtime. Um, probably Jake, probably the others that were involved. Uh, and so, my point as it relates to Benavides against Kayla plant is it's just it to me. And I think it's a great match. And as a showtime main event, if, if Fox was still doing live boxing, outstanding fight, but to ask, you know, it's going to be 75 bucks. <laughs> it's going to be the same price probably as what I'm going to join in
1: with you. Tag me in. This is not a pay-per-view fight. Caleb Plant, David Benavides is not a
0: $75 pay-per-view fight. It's not even no, a $50 pay-per-view fight. I'm just saying that. It's not. It's just not a pay-per-view fight. It just isn't. And again, not a knock on those two guys, uh, but they've they've never really done big numbers in their own non-pay-per-view fights. Solid, but not great. Obviously, Plant had. Has uh, Benavides ever fought on pay-per-view? I don't he, think fought he, on was, under, he fought on undercards. I I'm think, talking but about as a headliner. No, he's not, not as a headliner. He, he's and, been and a Caleb, headliner
1: on Showtime. And to yeah. my knowledge, the only plant pay per view as a headliner is the Canelo fight because of, of Canelo. Course.
0: So of course. And Canelo was the obviously the A side by leaps and bounds. And, you know, Caleb did bring something in terms of uh, helping promote the fight and everything. And he was, the, you couldn't do that fight without him because it was for the undisputed title. He had the IBF though. But again, I don't wish bad on anybody involved in that business. But To contemplate this fight as a pay-per-view, honestly, and again, I'm not trying to be, you know, just be a constant complainer and dump on everybody because I do like the fight. It's not like there are certain fights where I think the fights are bad and they're on pay-per-view. I like this fight, but to ask the public for what probably, and again, it hasn't been announced, it hasn't been established, but based on history, we know that in PBC world, this is probably a $75 pay-per-view. I just see that as comedy. I think that's comical. I think that's ridiculous. And honestly, if they do charge $75 and put that on pay-per-view, whenever it may be, uh, they're going to learn a hard lesson in their returns because this fight is not going to do big numbers. I'm just sorry. It's just not going to do that.
1: I'm laughing because Caleb Plant and David Benavidez better follow the advice of the earlier discussion we were having. Get the guarantee. Get the guarantee. Don't take it on the upside. Don't take it on, on the come of, of uh, what you sell on that. All right. I tell you what, we have gone for a while. I promise we're getting to the fight previews, including and Zerto Ramirez from the United Arab Emirates that is coming up on Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, Saturday night, prime time from the Middle East. We'll do that shortly.
0: We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves back in once more
1: and again we are ready for some fights in the middle east and also in minneapolis two, two m's that are, are of, of interest for this weekend as part of the preview i called dan rayfield back in once more our insider uh you, you look you've been uh, bringing the heat two-handed swings i uh, love the z-e-r-o with many exclamation points zero chance Uh, Okay, let's get into it. We've got, uh, first off, the Matchroom Boxing World Light Heavyweight Showdown, WBA World Light Heavyweight Showdown. This is an intriguing fight. The unbeaten Russian, Dmitry Bivol. Last we saw him, he beat Canelo Alvarez, oh, by the way, in May. All right, he's back against number one contender, Gilberto Zerto Ramirez. You actually, earlier this year, have interviewed both of these guys uh, in anticipation of what's coming up uh, here in the Middle East. They, uh, They, again, will be fighting Saturday night in the UAE. Uh, which is roughly, what, seven or eight hours ahead of Eastern time, Saturday afternoon in the United States. Adjust your time zone Accordingly. All right, so 230, so 2.30 Eastern is when the broadcast starts. All right. Main event probably somewhere around 5 Eastern, give Who or knows? take, however long it takes. All right, so your thoughts here on this matchup, because this is the number one mandatory challenger who's a former world champion at 168, Bivol, a hot item. I don't think it's an overstatement. This is a very compelling fight that if b wins, he gets some serious consideration for fighter of the year, for beating Canelo and for winning
0: this fight. Your thoughts, Dan, on it? Oh, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, first of all, they're 64-0 combined. And that 64-0 has been compiled against a number of good quality opponents. not like they got to that record just by fighting nothing uh, but second-rate guys. They both have their share of good quality wins. Uh, the best, of course, being, as you mentioned, B-Bowl's victory uh, against uh, Canelo Alvarez. That was a, a great win for him. Uh, look, it's a very intriguing fight. And as much as I have bitched and moaned and complained about what a terrible fourth quarter uh, 2022 has been in terms of the boxing schedule, this has always been the fight that's been the best one on the calendar, uh, in my mind, other than maybe the third fight between uh, Chocolatito and uh, and Juan Francisco Estrada that's going to come up uh, uh, a month or so later. But this is a high-quality fight. Uh, Gilberto Zerto Ramirez has been chasing people around. He's been calling him out for a better part of more than a year. Uh, and even though the fight's now made, they kind of had to get forced into it. They kind of had to get dread kicking and screaming. Remember, uh, they tried to do not, I'm not blaming bivo but his handlers, they tried to do a Boazzi fight. Uh, the WBA, uh, to their credit, which I don't do too often, put their foot down and said, no, no, you got to do the mandatory. That's next. Gilberto Ramirez had won two elimination fights in a row, both impressively, both by, uh, you know, strong wins and knockout victories. And so his team put the pressure on. Oscar De La Jolla from Golden Boy, who was his promoter, they put the pressure on. They were able to get this deal done without the need for a purse bid, amazingly, so uh, Golden Boy, of course, is on the zone. Matchroom is on the zone, so yep. they were on the same broadcaster, so uh, Golden Boy was able to work out the deal with Matchroom and do this fight, and uh, they're, they're, you know, Oscar is uh, going to the Middle East, or he's there already. The teams are there. They had their press conference and their workouts, and everything is uh, in order, and they're getting ready for this fight, and it should be a very interesting fight. I mean, it's not too often where you see a, a of, Bonif- you know, a lot of times we see mandatory fights, but that mandatory is somebody that's sort of artificial, maybe doesn't really deserve it, doesn't really belong there. Uh, Zerto Ramirez has earned this position. He's got the wins, he's got the resume, he's got the accolades. It's just a good quality, solid match. And uh, I'm very interested in to see how it unfolds. And, and uh, the winner, as well, uh, particularly not so much for Zerto, but if Bivo wins, I think he's probably your fighter of the year, because as you mentioned, first of all, it's a down year for candidates because there's been so, so many top guys that either lost or didn't fight more than once, or maybe that they did fight. It wasn't a really huge fight, but Bivol will have beaten Can- Canelo, who was pound for pound number one at that time, even if he was moving up win weight class, but it was a weight class where he had won a title win previously. And then Ramirez, he's fighting a bonafide undefeated number one contender, former champion in his own right, granted in the super middleweight division, but has a good uh, run of fights in the, in the light heavyweight division. And there's not that much else competition. I mean, there's a few other candidates Um, you know, some people will probably champion Bam Rodriguez uh, who has had a great year. um, Although maybe not at the same level of beating Canelo, that's certainly a, uh, you know, a career making type of victory. Um, But at the point is, it's a pretty, it's a pretty weak crop, but Bivol, that year of Canelo and Ramirez, if he wins, that would stand as a contender no matter what the year was for fighter of the year consideration. Um, But he's got to get the job done. And listen, I think he's the favorite and I'm sure we'll get into it much more detail on our bet U S show tomorrow, one o'clock Eastern, Friday afternoon, live on, uh, on the YouTube channel and on your Twitter uh, handle Mm -hmm. and on the bet U S website. But Ramirez certainly has a chance to win this fight. And, and uh, he's been, he's been, knocking guys out. I mean, as a super I was middleweight, he was coming there. Horrible. You didn't
1: let me come there. He showed power. Granted, yeah. you say what you want about the competition, but he showed power at 175. That makes this even more intriguing. Does it not that he could land the big punch maybe and get b out of there? Part of the yeah, intrigue. Yeah, and he's a,
0: he's a southpaw. And also, here's your thing. As I said, as a super middleweight, he was more of like a boxer. When he got to light heavyweight, he became more of a puncher. and And he's been knocking guys out. And again, he's not knocked out a guy of the caliber of a of a, uh, of a Dimitri Bivol, who's a very, you know, slick operator and has a good jab and very fundamentally sound and seems like he's got a good chin and always comes in good shape. I mean, he's a really, he, he, he may not be like an a plus fighter, but there's really nothing that you can look at in his overall game and find any kind of serious negative for it. He's, you know, if he's not, maybe not the five tool all-star, if you were to use a comparison to baseball players, let's say, but he does everything pretty well. Uh, whether it's punching, whether it's movement, defense, um, you know, ring IQ, his jab, his footwork is, you know, his, whatever shot you want to talk about. So he, he does it well. Um, you know, he's coming off a string of knockouts since he's been to 175. He's actually knocked out every fighter he's faced. I'm looking at his record here in front of me as we're doing this. He's had now uh, five fights at light heavyweight. The Carpensi fight, KO4, that was, a, you know, a journeyman type of walkover fight. Alfonso Lopez was a solid opponent. Stopped him in the 10th round. Sullivan Barrera, longtime contender, former title challenger, he knocked him out in four. It took Bivol like 11 or 12 to get Sullivan Barrera out of there. Joniowski Gonzalez, tough as nails, got him out of there in the 10th round. And then in the most recent fight that took place in May, Dominic Bosselle, uh, you know, a good European level fighter, got him out of there in four rounds. He's not seen the final bell, and we'll see. It will be interesting to see if he can test. Uh, Dimitri Bivol's chin uh, on that, you know, on that fight on Saturday. Just, I know, what else can I say? Great fight, not pay per view,
1: and it may be one of the best fights remaining in this calendar year. That includes the Fury fight you mentioned, the Chocolatito trilogy with Estrada. Be there for this one because uh, we think it'll be exciting. And Bivol again, good power in the right hand, uh, and was able to keep. Canelo off of him because of his power for a lot of that fight in May. Let's see what happens. And again, we'll and have more on the Bet US show. But Bivol actually favored like uh, it, minus three eighty, almost four to one. That's a little interesting there on the money line. Uh, we'll talk more on the Bet US show Friday one Eastern time about the gambling perspective of this fight. Very interesting. And it's, and it's
0: also look, it's it, it cover it covers the bases because a it, it has potential to be a highly entertaining fight, and also it's highly significant because the winner is going to have the title is still going to be undefeated especially if it's, if it's Bivo, but also if it's, uh, Zerto, there is the possibility, you know, of a Canelo fight, uh, Canelo Zerto might be a little dice here for a lot of different reasons. Um, but certainly a Bivo Canelo rematch would, would be a possibility. Canelo says he wants it when he comes back. Um, and, uh, the winner will be at worst number two in that division. Obviously number one is, uh, the uh, three belt champion uh, Arthur Betterbev who's fighting in January, and we'll see if they can uh, put together a fight between the winner of this fight and and Betterbev if he defeats Anthony Yard uh, in his mandatory in in, uh, in the first part of next year. All right, fair enough. The
1: co-feature on this one is a women's world title fight. Chantel Cameron of England defending against Jessica McCaskill of the U.S. McCaskill best known for having dethroned Cecilia Braikus, uh and winning her world welterweight championships and then even beating her again in the rematch. This fight, though, a weight division down at junior welterweight for the women's uh, unified titles. That's the co-feature fight. Uh, McCaskill's been on a roll. She lost to Katie Taylor back about four years ago and has won seven fights since then. And Cameron is obviously undefeated, not as good a competition maybe. So that's the co-feature fight, women's 10-round. Junior, want weight fight a quick thought on that before
0: we move on? Well, we've talked about this before, that in women's boxing, it's far more regular, far more normal for one of the women to drop down a weight class in pursuit of some other big fighter title than it is in men's boxing. So the fact that McCaskill is dropping back to 140 pounds where she previously had held the title to challenge cameron for her title uh is not totally unusual if it was men's boxing i think people would be a little more surprised uh the fellows usually go up a weight class but for for mccaskill she's dropping down a weight class um you said about the fact that maybe she's got a better resume i wouldn't say maybe she definitely has a better resume uh, Shan, uh cameron's resume is a little bit light but if you have on your resume you know, two victories against Cecilia Burek, plus you've got some other solid victories in there. Plus you face Katie Taylor. Uh, and even though she lost, you know, she was only in like her eighth fight when she fought against Katie Taylor. She was still basically a novice, uh, not like she's got dramatic. Uh, you know, she's only got what now, what, 14 or 15 fights, but they've all been, uh, you know, at the top level. So her loss to Katie Taylor was something that she probably learned a lot of a lot from. And, uh, you know, obviously losing to Katie's, no shame. She's, you know, what? are at worst, is she like the, the second or third pound for pound woman in boxing? Um, so I think that being that she's been used to fighting bigger opponents in McCaskill, that she is going back to where she once had uh, a unified title and she's got the experience. She's got the record, at least recently. And let me tell you, Jessica McCaskill can really fight. That's yes. the bottom line.
1: An interesting Cameron is favored briefly on the Bet US line, a slight minus one seventy five favorite. So again, we'll talk about that more. Find our Bet US show on their platforms and the YouTube channel on what we go on the record with uh, for that. Few moments left on the big fight weekend preview. Also on that card, you're probably you were saying to me you're also equally as interested here in the Shav Rakmanov uh, fight with Zelpha Barrett of the UK. Uh, this is for the vacant uh, junior lightweight championship here the ibf junior lightweight vacant title also on that same matchroom card with the bivol zerto main event quick thought on that before we move off the
0: card well first of all remember uh rakamov was supposed to fight against joe cordina uh, he was the mandatory challenger cordina obviously uh is sidelined by an injury and be, and for convoluted political reasons he wasn't going to be better by the time his medical exemption was up he had already taken the fight that he got to fight for the title uh, against uh, uh, Ogawa, where he promised he would fight. Part of the, the part of the 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 reason he got the ability to have that title shot was the promise that he would defend against the mandatory Rakamov by a certain date, and he'd already gotten a medical exemption. So uh, they followed the letter of their rule, and Corden is out as champion, and so uh, Zelfa Barrett takes his place. Now, matchroom boxing, Eddie Hearn, have promised that the winner of this fight you know, Cordina will get a shot to get that bell back when he's healthy. He's had a, a very serious hand injury. That's put him on, on ice probably until at least, you know, next spring, March, April, I guess. Um, but the matchup itself, uh, Rakimov is a guy that's sort of interesting. He's undefeated with a draw. He's had uh, fights with some solid guys. He had the, the draw with Jojo Diaz. That was a fight where he challenged Jojo uh, was supposed to challenge him for the title, but Diaz came in uh, about three pounds overweight, uh, four, three and a half pounds overweight and was stripped. And uh, it turned out to be a draw. Um, so this is an opportunity for him to, 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 to get that back. And, and Barrett was sort of like in the right place at the right time. He was highly ranked. He had been, uh, had recently signed with Matchroom. Um, does not have uh, the same level, I guess, of experience uh, in terms of a resume maybe as, as uh, a does, but he's got that win over uh, Kiko Martinez. He had a win over a fighter named Bruno Tarimo. That was, I guess, an elimination fight that put him in a great position. He won the European title uh, in June. So, you know, do I think either of these guys are going to show themselves to be like the number one fighter at 130 pounds? I don't think so, but it's such a wide open division right now. And with a, with a bunch of vacant titles that it's only going to take one or two good wins and put yourself in that kind of position to be considered number one. And so, you know, unfortunately, Cordina uh, got stripped, but at least the two guys that are fighting for it seem to be, uh, you know, pretty reputable opponents. And it feels like a pretty uh, nice matchup on paper, even if they're not big, big names. And Rockamoff
1: is again uh, favored uh, slightly, minus 300 or three to one in that bout. Again, all of these on the matchroom show from the United Arab Emirates, Saturday afternoon in the United States, prime time over in Europe for Saturday night. One final fight card <laughs> of prominence to go over that's the PBC Showtime card. Super middleweight David Morell is back in action. And Dan, tell us a little more. Uh, here, the main event, Ayodos newly, if I got that name right, is the opponent. We don't know a lot about him. Morell again, fighting in his home away from home, Minneapolis. He's a Cuban, but he's been living and fighting in Minneapolis. He's the main event. And he's a guy that's also interested in 168 in Caleb Plant, David Benavides, et cetera, etc., etc. Tell me a little more real quick as we wrap it up.
0: Well, he sits there as the mandatory for Canelo Alvarez. You know, if the WBA gets around to ordering that fight also, which they have been sort of not interested in doing at the moment and frankly i don't think anybody really blames him because david Morrell at seven and zero matched up against canelo uh at his level seems to be kind of silly um but in any event Morrell's a very good fighter he he was very very quick moving when he turned pro because he had a big amateur background he is exciting he makes pretty good fights um the 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 folks in minneapolis where he fights in the armory it's like it's uh it's like his his uh his home, you know, it's, it's not his, it's his home now where he lives, but they really turn out to it for him. They've adopted him as one of their own. And so he brings in a good crowd. It's like his fortress. And, uh, he's been a very popular figure there. And, uh, it's become like a thing up there in Minneapolis to like go to a David Morrell fight or any of the fights at the armory. So um, I have to put that on. I've, I've gotten a chance to do a lot of things in my, in my, uh, my career in boxing, but uh, I got to put, going to a fight at the armor, I think on my bucket list There we go. Uh, in terms of the fight itself. Um, you mentioned, you know, not, not knowing a lot about uh, about the, the the challenger. He's the mandatory fight. That's why this is happening. Sixteen and zero with eleven knockouts from Kazakhstan. The one thing that's mildly interesting is they share a common opponent in Lennox Allen, who's like a like a decent fringe contender type. And um, in in in, uh, in how do you say his name? Yoruba Irbasanuli, close enough. Yes. In his previous fight before fighting rail, this is in September of last year. He had the elimination fight against Lennox Allen to put himself in position for this mandatory fight. He knocked out Lennox Allen, Lennox Allen in the 10th round. That was a fight that took place in Kazakhstan. David Morell granted. He was, you know, only in his third professional fight in an interim uh, WBA fight. This is back in August of 2020. He went to distance with, with Lennox Allen, Lennox Allen in a 12 round fight. So uh, I don't know if that means a whole lot. I do think Morell is certainly in the, in the few fights he's had since then has improved and looked, you know, pretty darn good. Um, but, he's 7-0 with six knockouts. He's, he's more mature based on his experience as an amateur than that 7-0 record would indicate. In other words, he may not be on the level of like a Lomachenko that was able to go right into fighting championship level fights at, uh, you know, it is basically his pro debut, but certainly in his second fight, he's not that decorated, but he's, he's of that ilk where everybody that was involved with him said, we can move this kid pretty quickly. He's only 24 years old. He's a Southpaw and, uh, He's got a bright future. If they can, I think he needs to be a little more active, though. It's 7-0. Oh, he's not fighting enough, in my mind. I would
1: agree with you on that. Last four Morrell fights, for what it's worth, KO3, KO1, TKO4, KO4. Just putting it out there. Say whatever you want about level of competition. He's delivered on some early knockouts. Will your boss Anuli, if that's how we're saying it correctly, the Kazakh, will he pose a bigger threat? We'll find out. Saturday night, PBC, Showtime main event. we got to go in a moment. Is there anything else on that Showtime card of note that stands out that's worthwhile. I know Jason Rosario, middleweight contenders on that
0: card, as well as a couple of others. Anything else? No. I mean, Rosario is a former unified champion at 154 pounds. He was really the B-side, if you will, against Elvis Gomez. Uh, that was the original opponent, but he had a withdraw because of a uh, a wrist injury. So they replaced him with Brian Mendoza, which is a pretty good save. Mendoza was supposed to be on the non-televised part of the undercard. I will once again give uh, TGB promotions and and PBC the credit uh, that when it comes to making sure that there's other guys on the show that can step in, in case there's some kind of issue with another fight, they do an outstanding job. It really started with uh, a lot of COVID related reasons, but it's now become just a normal thing, even if it's not COVID, that's if it's an injury. So they were able to, you know, and seamlessly keep this fight card intact in terms of beyond the main event. Um, but Rosario, one thing, you may not be uh, you know, going back to a world championship necessarily, but he always gives you his money's worth. Rosario is a fun fighter to watch. He throws a lot of punches. He's got great power. Uh, you know, Mendoza is not a bad opponent whatsoever. And um, and the, the other thing that's on the card that uh, there's a third fight on the on the opener, which is an undefeated middleweight named uh, Fedor uh, um, Zerkazian, who has taken on uh, the well-traveled and experienced journeyman Nathaniel Gallimore. So we'll get a chance to see him for the first time, in my mind, in terms of like a big show. But On the Showtime streaming, you got some familiar names if you're interested. They've got Andre Durrell, the brother of Anthony Durrell, who's been off 16 months, who's been a contender at the super middleweight division for a long time. Now he's in the light heavyweight division. A lot of people thought he beat Carl Frotch when he challenged him over in Nottingham, England, uh, during the uh, super middleweight tournament that Showtime put on. uh, And he didn't get the win that night. And also Julian Williams, the former uh, unified champion and 154 pounds. J-Rock so he's moving up to middleweight he's also on the on the streaming part of the card so uh, a little bit of, a little bit for everybody i guess some good names uh, some young guys like Morrell. again not the is it the biggest show in the world 100% no but i do think uh, if you're into you know if you, if you're a boxing fan you know it's it's worth watching david Morrell, and it's worth watching uh, some of those other fights if for no other reason because i think that each of those bouts based on my knowledge of those opponents and the matchups feel like they're going to produce some action, like it's not. I don't look at any fight on those three TV fights and say, "Oh, you know, that's a stinkeroo. That's not going to be a very good fight." Um, so I have high hopes for it. Again, not the biggest show in the world. I'm going to probably be, uh, you know, I'll have, i have, it'll, it'll, I'll have already had my the main course with Bivol and Ramirez. This will sort of be like a little, uh, a little sherbet late at night like, oh. you know, that sweet tooth going on. Do you like the orange sherbet? What do you like? Who does All right, either way. Sherbert. I'm Lemon okay, sherbet?
1: Give me the Butterfinger ice cream right now. I'm big on the Butterfinger ice cream because I got extra Here, Butterfingers for Halloween, and I got a question. You're always
0: yeah. asking me questions. I got a question. Please. How many Butterfingers did you swipe from your kids?
1: Halloween I didn't have to bed? swipe them. They literally dumped them on the kitchen table, and there's about 16 of them. And as I told you on <laughs> the show this past weekend, I got to get them out of the house, or I will eat those things. I will eat them all. So, so take a
0: couple with you when you go to one of your football games,
1: you know, agree, peace them out over the next yes, month or something. And, and get, maybe give some away. Don't eat 16 at me.
0: once. Just peace them no, out.
1: But I'm saying a little vanilla ice cream, little crushed up Butterfinger. I'm all about that more so than like Sherbert or, or some other things. But anyway,
0: so we've gone from comparing boxing
1: matches to like desserts. Is that the deal? That, yes. And we'll see if morell is the dessert. I was going to get off a good punchline, but I don't know how effective it's going to be because when I've always thought about Minnesota, I've thought about the Vikings. I've thought about snow and I've thought about David Morrell. And let's just see how it goes for Morell in the main event at the Armory. This is the fourth time that he will have fought at the Armory. I think the third time he's headlined at the Armory on a PBC show. See how he does Saturday. We're more interested. In Bivol and Zerto Ramirez one more time, as you're hearing us, find our BetUS live show one Eastern time. The audience is growing there on the BetUS platforms, YouTube, Twitter, et cetera. Find us live. We'll make some betting predictions on that show. Brother Rayfield, good to be with you as always on this. We'll come back and recap the weekend after it's all done. Somebody's going to be sitting pretty at 175 as the WBA champ. Either it's Bivol staring right down as an undisputed, a showdown with his fellow russian or maybe it's zerto ramirez with a huge upset for him going all the way to the middle east to get it that really sets him up at 175 we'll find out what happens have a great weekend my friend we look forward to recapping
0: yes sir i will see you on the betting show friday afternoon one o'clock
1: there we go one eastern time again adjust if you are are hearing us later in the weekend go find the bet us show again we'll come back with a fight freaks unite recap on this very podcast feed make sure you're following or subscribing come your way with the recap podcast After we're done, read the previews and the recaps on Dan's substack as well as bigfightweekend.com for now. For Dan Rayfield, I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the fights. Thank you for being with us on the Big Fight Weekend preview.